Welcome to the Denver Real Estate Download with Joey and Josh. Useful information, entertaining delivery. Everybody, Joey and Josh here from the Denver Real Estate Download. Hey, Josh, how's it going, man? Man, another beautiful day in the mortgage industry. Awesome. Mortgages are uh, they're a fun thing to talk about, man. So I think we have a pretty good podcast coming at you uh, today. We're going to talk about what the Fed has done over the last two years, basically since the pandemic started with quantitative easing, and now they're starting to tamper with that. Josh is going to go through what that means technically speaking like textbook definition and then we're going to discuss what happened last time we saw a situation like this in 2013 2014 and what you can expect for the spring market so without further ado here it is man josh explain to us if you don't mind what quantitative easing is um as well as tampering yeah so great question joey quantitative easing is when the federal reserve steps in to try to control the market and this happened back in when COVID started. Liquidity dried up because banks were not willing to put money out there. Um, interest rates weren't really affected, but being able to get a loan was totally affected. Um, so the Federal Reserve stepped in and started buying mortgage-backed securities to tune of about $5 billion a month. Okay, and just to be clear, I want to interrupt here. This is after... COVID. The mortgage back. Sorry, uh, that's that's what's going on now. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So they've been buying mortgage backed securities. Basically, what mortgage backed securities are are packets of loans that are sold. So if you get a loan and someone else gets a loan, someone else gets a loan, they took little bit of little bitty pieces of that mortgage and put it into a mortgage block and sell it on the open market. That is a mortgage backed security, and that is how mortgages are funded. Now, what happened during COVID was that people stopped buying those mortgage-backed securities because of things that the government did. And that allows the interest rate to go down because now these loans are government-backed. Right. It, well, it's supply and demand, right? Okay. So that's yeah. essentially how mortgages work. Okay. So if no one's buying mortgage-backed securities, like, for example, if the stock market's doing really well, you'll see that interest rates will typically climb with the stock market. And the reason why that is is because people are taking their money out of a more what would be deemed a secure investment, which would be a mortgage-backed security, and they're putting it into a more risky investment, which would be the stock market, because the stock market is increasing. Okay, so there's almost like a divestment in mortgage-backed securities by the general public. Right. And, and they're reinvesting <clears throat> into right. just regular securities. Right. Okay. So, you know, people were pulling out those mortgage-backed security or pulling out from buying mortgage-backed securities. Normally, mortgage-backed securities are all when they go and they sell that block of mortgages for the day. Typically, they're gone by like 1 p.m. Everything's been sold for that day. Back when COVID happened, there was a period of time where 
they almost didn't, they weren't able to sell everything that they were supposed to sell that day, which was abnormal. Okay. So the Federal Reserve stepped in and said, all right, hey, we are going to start buying these mortgage box securities by $2.5 billion. What that did was it freed up liquidity, meaning that people who had less than subpar credit were able to still buy a home, whereas before there were no interest rates for them because there were no programs because okay. no one was willing to put the risk that. So the mortgage-backed securities were purchased by the Fed, artificially held interest rates low, and they were going to do that until they saw interest, or I'm sorry, inflation hit where they wanted. Unfortunately, we have now surpassed where they want that inflation rate. And now the Federal Reserve is coming in and what's doing what's called tampering quantitative easing, which means that they are now pulling back that $5 billion that they're selling every month. And $5 billion that they're buying. Five, uh, yeah, $5 billion that they're buying. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> what that means is that now the, the market is going to have to step in and take over where the Federal Reserve was buying those mortgage-backed securities. So there's a few different things or um, ideas that what could happen next. One of those ideas from the tampering or quantitative easing is that liquidity is going to dry back up in the market. So let's say you're a 680 score buyer and um, before your interest rate would be 4%, now your interest rate could be 4.5% or higher. Now, whether or not that happens is kind of anyone's best guess. And the reason why I say that is because the Federal Reserve just met last week. They came out, they announced that they were going to taper quantitative easing. This wasn't a surprise to anyone because everyone knew that this was going to happen. And the market acted not like anyone expected, meaning that mortgage-backed securities, actually interest rates got better. So it... You know, if we stay on this path, there could be no fallout from the tampering and buying those that five billion dollars because the market is stepping in currently right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, but they can't really buy at the rate that the Fed would or did. Right? Well, they could, but will they? I, really that, the that's, the, that's the question is okay. where's consumer confidence? And where are they going? Where, you know, where are people? Where are people going to put their money? Is it going to be the mortgage-backed securities, or is it going to be in the stock market? And you know, there's a few different ideas on what's going to happen. There's okay. the doom and gloom, which is about. I think it's, I read an article that said like 68% of CEOs, bank CEOs, believe that a mortgage crisis is going to happen within the next three years. Well, yeah, but they want to create that hype because then they can short the market and make a shitload of money like Leonardo DiCaprio did Yep. in Wolf of Wall Street. I forget the guy's name, but he's a douchebag anyway. Not Leo. He's dope. But the guy that he played, he's a douchebag. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Back no, on no. track. <laughs> but um, I'm not here for my uh, market, uh, for my mortgage <laughs> intelligence, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you know. They believe that there's going to be a mortgage crisis that's going to happen that's going to be much like 2008. And then there are other statistics that are just as fact-based that state that the next four years 
of our buyer's market, as far as interest rates are going, as far as the market is considered, is going to be the best four years this country has ever seen. Holy shit. Yeah. The best? The best. <laughs> I love the sound effects, man. Um, so the reasoning for that, that, that the best buyer's market is that empty, empty nesters are getting out of their homes and millennials, the biggest population the country's ever seen, is now poised to Lazy. Start, yep. <laughs> now they're poised to move I'm out of their parents' basement <laughs> and I'm start kidding. buying a house. <laughs> I'm a millennial. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All I do is fucking work. It's great. But I'm never going to stop and I enjoy it. Anyway, enough about me. Okay, so what the hell's the point of all this, man? Um, the point of all this is trying to give everyone an idea of what the market's going to do because there's a lot of speculation out there. Yeah. We don't know which way it's going to go. It's all speculation, man. It's all speculation. Because the problem with the real estate and like the whole real estate industry in general, it's not a problem you can really solve unless you have like advanced AI. But at that point we're all dead and they right. don't need shelter, food or water. So like they're going to take over. Ask Elon. Um, we're on a first name basis only cause he doesn't know me. So <laughs> anyway, but, uh, you know, the problem with it is we're always, we're always trying to predict the future with retrospective views, right? you know, so like retrospective information. So it's like, all right, well, what's the, you know, we're trying to make these predictions and people are kind of like really, you know, they're asking us our opinion all the time. And it's like, well, you know, man, based on what we've seen before and based on the idea, there's two schools of thought you can subscribe to just understand that the downside of one of them is like the, the floor of one you know, school of thought is a hell of a lot lower than the peak of the other or the ceiling of the other one. Right. And I think the two schools of thought are everything's going to crash or everything's going to continue to rise. So we've talked about this before and I want to get your opinion on it because the reality is I've been saying for, I don't know, we've done, we're supposed to do one podcast a month, but quite honestly, like, you know, this is very much a marketing tool and, you know, marketing is necessary when you don't have enough business. So I kind of took off a little bit because I uh, just don't have the time to do these every month right now. But anyway, which is a good problem. Anyway, getting back to it, we've talked for about a year and a half on these podcasts about how, okay, so what interest rate goes to 4% knocks out half the buyer pool. We have 20 buyers per house. That doesn't mean we're in a buyer's market. No. So, I mean, that, I mean, you guys can tell I'm pretty bullish. I'm obviously very aggressive uh, when it comes to everything, especially real estate related. Um, and it's like, I think it's going to continue to rise. And I think spring, I'm actually taking December off because I'm, I'm not necessarily resting from the previous year. I'm getting ready for the next spring because I really think it's going to be a complete and utter bloodbath. Well, you know, I, I asked you to look at some mark, some market data from the last time this happened. What was the last, when this happened in 2013? Yeah, 2013. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, it takes a little bit of time for us to realize the results of both quantitative easing and um, tapering. Tapering, thank you. So anyway, what happened last time, man, is the market went up. So if you look year over year from April, uh, April 2013 through April 2014, the market was kind of stagnant at first, which you would, which we kind of expect. And then it just shot up and they, you know, they mentioned at first in April, 2013, right off of the taper, um, they just buyer confidence was down about 1%, which is somewhat nominal, but also, you know, it, it's evidence as to how people were feeling about, right. about the market and everything like that. And, you know, this is a very emotional decision for some reason. Uh, I can't seem to convince people 
to stop thinking incorrectly about housing values and things like that. So for example, if you buy your house and you bought it for 500,000 two years ago, um, and you put, let's say you put a hundred thousand down, um, that's not realistic. Let's say you put 50,000 down, right. you know, and now your house is worth 650,000, which is very realistic to be honest with you, depending on where you bought, you know, you're, you're looking at owing about what, 440,000 on that house. Uh, yeah, 440,000 or so on that house. Yep. Uh, you're going to, you're going to, you know, pay your agents about $30,000 for that transaction. So you're looking at, what is that? Six, six twenty minus four forty. So you're netting like $180,000, but pe- yet people will look at it very foolishly and say, Oh, the market's down. What, what the, f- in what fucking world is the market down? You literally just made $180,000, but I know what people are thinking. They're thinking, well, I could have, or I should have made $200,000 or $250,000. That doesn't mean it's down. Literally losing money on any investment is defined as a lower sales price versus your uh, your taxable base, which is essentially what you bought it for. So if you sold your shit for less than you bought it for, you lost money. If you sell it for more than you bought it for, you you made made money. money. Period. So, you know, like when I start talking to people and they bring up this stupid fucking idea, can you tell them I'm upset about it? Yeah. It's like they, <laughs> they just don't understand how to think about anything. And they're, oh, I'm going to lose money. You're not losing shit, dude. You're not losing anything. Also, you know how I feel about the whole idea of investing in your primary residence. You need a place to live. Right. Aside from a couple of very select situations, which most people don't fall into, renting is stupid. Sorry, Josh. But the reality is you need a place to live. So if you're going to pay for something, you should be paying into your own pocket, not into someone else's. Right. Especially not these companies owned by Wall Street money. Because you're just like you're literally perpetuating a fucked up cycle that most people complain about anyway. Right. Off my high horse. Point is, I think spring is going to be a complete and utter bloodbath. And I'm not even sure people are going to be inspecting houses because sellers aren't going to fucking pay for anything anyway. I can still get sellers to pay for things, but obviously I have my tactics, which I will not share unless we're in a buyer's meeting with a new client, right. but I have my tactics. They're very aggressive and they seem to work. Plus, I mean, some of these agents, man, they're real friendly and nice to each other. Dude, fuck that. This is business. We have shit to do and we're representing people with a fiduciary duty. Right. You know, so fucking be a, be zealous, man. You know, anyway, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. What do you think? How do you think that the Zillow... Pulling out of the market is going to affect the market. Ooh. I'm actually really excited because sometimes I sit down with sellers and uh, just just to be clear, this is really none of the sellers that I have right now um, that I'm that I'm working with right now. But on on occasion, when people are thinking about this, they always bring up this fucking zestimate. Like zestimate, the word sounds to me like a new sparkling water at Whole Foods. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's like, it's. Look, do I look at this estimate when I price houses at the very end? Because the reality is every buyer is looking at Zillow. Every buyer is looking at his estimate. But, you know, so it's it's good to know what's up. But I would never change my price based on what the fucking Zestimate sees. Okay? Why not? Because it's horseshit, dude. It's based on an algorithm. And it's also late to the party. Because all we need is is another week. Everything's so like everything's a record-breaking sale these days, right? In Denver. So... Every week we have a higher number essentially than we did the week before, right? So, and right. the estimates all factored in on that. Also, every agent and lender knows that Zillow drags. They probably know too. I mean, it's like sometimes it'll say something's for sale, and the last time it was for sale was actually four years ago, and it right. hasn't been for sale. It's currently not for sale, right? Anyway, so what is the Zillow thing? You know, I'm telling sellers now, dude, you really want to look at the estimate? That's the same thing that Zillow used to buy all these properties that they're now dumping. 
right. because they realized they fucked up and they were too close to their margin when they flipped. Yep. Like that, that margin can't be razor thin, you know, and you and I have talked about that when we talk about flipping or building, it's like, Hey man, like it's good, but there are probably places around Colorado that are better. And I'm not necessarily sure Denver is one of them. You know, like I could put a hundred thousand dollars into my house and make it into a $1.2 million house. And I paid significantly less than that, but also I have to have the hundred thousand dollars cash, you know? Right. So point is, I think, I think Zillow is very telling, um, it, you know, as far as divesting in the Denver market, I don't think it's a sign that they believe or know anything that nobody, that anybody else doesn't know. Okay. I just think honestly, they just overplayed their hand and stretched themselves too thin. And you know, by definition, man, people who are running companies, people who start companies, founders, things like that, entrepreneurs, CEOs, they're bullish, man. I mean, you got to oh, have yeah. some seriously big balls to go out there and start businesses. End of story. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Right. You know? And so these, these are the same people that are like, oh, fuck it. We have this opportunity to pick up 2000, shit, 15,000 properties nationwide. You know, so we're going to go probably more like 50,000, but we have this opportunity to go pick these up with the Zillow offers, flip them and make them into something better. Well, you know, it is possible for a company like Zillow to spread themselves too thin. Oh, and make mistakes. Do they do it all the time? I know. I mean, dude, look at, I mean, I, you know, SpaceX and mostly Tesla, right? Like, I mean, obviously Elon Musk is changing the game. He's pushing humanity to a different level, which I think is awesome. But also he's admitted several times on interviews. He doesn't know what they're going to do with the, with the used batteries. Right. He's like, well, fuck it. We have, this was a few years ago. He's like, fuck it. We have 10 years to figure it out. We'll figure it out by then. And it's like his stock still went up, you know? Right. So obviously that's just one example of many where it's like businesses can honestly do think, take risks. They can do whatever they want. And I think Zillow probably just spread themselves too thin. I would agree. Um, Do you think it's a sign that shit's going to crash? Nope. I just think it's a mistake that they made. That was um, probably the short answer I could have given you. Yeah. But I'm not here for <clears throat> short answers. I think that Zillow went out on a limb, mm -hmm. tried to make some money. Mm -hmm. Quick and, cash. Quick cash. Huh? Yeah. And they severely fucked up. Mm. They underestimated the market. and or, I'm sorry, overestimated the market. Overplayed their hand. Overplayed their hand. Yep. I mean, they, I think I just saw they were selling like at a at a fraction of the cost, like two point seven billion dollars in real estate. Jesus Christ, dude! Yeah, think about that. Jesus Christ! I mean, if I was an agent, good, we need I would, I would figure out every fucking home that's owned by Zillow in Denver, yeah, and take my agents to go, or take my clients to go see them and say, hey, look, Zillow, here's your offer. Yeah, well, the problem with that is we still have too many buyers. So, you know, probably the only way you could look at this, you know, logically and say, oh, well, maybe Zillow divesting from the Denver market will help the situation. Well, obviously, everything helps the situation. Right. We're going to have more houses. They're liquidating very quickly. They're dumping them. They're probably all going to hit the market January, February, which is good. But the reality is, man, we are so far behind on housing that right. it, it it's, it's going to give it like a little, it's just going to barely help. I guess is my point, you know? So if somebody's saying, well, all these houses are going to like slow the market down. I mean, so much that no one will even so. notice. Not in this market. And you know, I, I think, I think I've been saying this again, we've been saying this for a year and a half at this point, you know, it's like the people that are moving here, man, with these big tech jobs, I mean, they're bringing 150, $200,000 salaries or more. Okay. And they're going in on these houses. And for some, you know, for some reason, there's a lot of folks out here that think $2,000 a month for housing is a lot of money. I mean, it is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, but it's not. So when you're competing for, I mean, I paid my, I paid for rent with my ex-girlfriend, what I'm paying on my mortgage right now in San Diego. And it was 
a two bedroom condo with one parking space, street parking, and it, you know, centrally located, but man, it was not a home, like a right. house, you know? So I think, I think these people that are coming with these big jobs are just like, Hey man, like this 3000, $4,000, $5,000 mortgage isn't really a big deal. Right. You know, which I think, I mean, that's a lot of money, dude. Like that's a lot of money, but not when you got two people like husband, wife, husband, husband, wife, wife, right. both making a buck 50 a piece. I mean, that's a shitload of money. And those are the people that have been moving here. Right. You know, so I mean, what's it's definitely s- the market. I see a lot more people, I would say in the last two years have, I've had a lot more liquidity than the people previously. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really good point, dude. Because Not actually. I mean, you always make good points, but that's a, that's a, that brings up something um, in my mind as well. Like when I'm sitting down with buyers, a conversation two years ago was, Hey man, I want to buy something that's 400,000. Well, now the conversation is, Hey man, I'm willing to go six to 800,000. Right now, granted we're selling the same damn houses for this, you know, for 200, 300, $400,000 more than we were three or four years ago. But you're right, dude, the conversation's a lot different. And I think it's not necessarily just because homes have gotten more expensive. It's because people have a better, they have more liquid cash. Yep you know, somewhat liquid cash to put we're, down. We're attracting a different type of buyer. We there. are, man. The demographic has changed a lot. And as a result of that, they're just waiting for spring, man. Yep. You know, and people, you know, I keep reading this shit or seeing this shit. Oh, the market's slowed. The market's slowed. Dude, no, it hasn't. The only thing that has slowed is this. Showings have slowed down a little bit on listings. But the reality is the listings that I put out from three to 500,000, they're still getting eight to 12 offers. We're yep. just not getting 20. Right. So exactly what we've been saying happened. Half the buyer pool's gone. The buyer pool was 20 strong before the right. interest rate started climbing, so three months ago. Now the buyer pool is 10 per house. That's still ridiculous, but dude. You still have to, you're still going up against 10 offers. 100%, man. 100%. It's like I'm still having to do I'm having to do more aggressive tactics, man. You know, more right. aggressive tactics than I even was before. Like I got this house under contract for a buddy of mine. He's a lender, so that's why you didn't get that deal, but um, you know, like I just put them under contract. How, the showing start on Friday. I'm bragging a lot about this because it's dope as fuck. But and most agents wouldn't do this shit. To be completely honest with you, you know that. You just don't have to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we got it under contract three days before it even hit the market because I called the agent and said, "Hey, man, I'm sending you an offer. You know, they're investors. Don't really need to see it. Don't care. We know it can generate this much income. We know it needs approximately this much work done to it as far as updates go. Boom, got it under contract. So now, I mean, if, you know, do I feel bad? No, I represented my client zealously as usual. But, you know, there's a sh- there's probably 50 showings that they had to cancel because the house went under contract before anybody could even get in to see it. You know, and I That's don't. Dope. Yeah, man. And I'm already, I'm taking December. Like I said, I'm taking December sort of off from like working the full-time job. Because part of it is gearing up for the next spring, which is honestly sitting there thinking and ideating how to formulate more aggressive tactics. Right. Because I still have to get people under contract. And now there's a higher expectation of me because of what people think. You know, so it's like, hey, man, like, I, you know, we need to figure some shit out because I think spring's going to be nuts, man. I think it's going to be nuts. How do you think this spring's going to be different compared to last spring? Uh, people are just not going to be buyers aren't going to be able to ask for anything sellers i mean honestly like these listings, so you think that's going to get worse as far as what yeah, absolutely where we're at now yeah it's going right. to cost more money uh you're going to be paying more per month because the interest rate's going to go up but you also have higher qualified like i i don't like to say better but you're going to have yeah man i mean cream rises to the top you're yeah. going to have better qualified buyers and as a result of that they're just going to come in and say fuck it i don't really care that the ten thousand dollar sore line needs to be repaired I don't care. 
Because I know in two years this house will be worth two hundred thousand more. So the market, if you're trying to get into the market and you're a first time home buyer and you're not in that cream, you're fucked. I mean, there are first time home buyers that are in that cream, right? I mean, unfortunately, well, when I said first time home buyers, I was thinking more or less like down payment assistance programs. Yeah. FHA three and a half percent down. Hundred percent. No liquidity. Mm-hmm. Like the market's gonna totally fuck those yeah. people. I think they're gonna have to tap into four hundred one ks. They've been saying I'm thirty four, right? So I think they're gonna have to be tapping into four hundred one ks. They started at their first big boy job, big girl job after college, and I think they're gonna have to tap into that, borrow from it. And the reality is, they're going to make money, even though they're they're gonna make more money on the house than they will on the four hundred one k. But they're going to have to. So a good offer right now today, like if I'm writing an offer, it's a competitive situation. So let's say it's in. uh, I just wrote one that we lost. We lost to all cash because but the all cash was lower. Right. Which was horse. I'm still pissed about that. But and I told the agent that's a stupid fucking decision. And she was like, I know. Okay. anyway, not her decision. Point is uh, Berkeley. Let's say Berkeley. Hot neighborhood. Always multiple offers. If your house is remotely updated, it's going to be hot. Okay. so if if I'm writing an offer for somebody like our mutual client and we're in Berkeley, you know, and we're at six hundred and fifty thousand list price, I'm going in right away. Like today I'm going in at seven hundred thousand, probably writing a twenty thousand dollar signing bonus covering all fifty to seventy thousand of appraisal gap, putting a two or three week the fastest possible close you can put on it which I think you said under certain circumstances is eight days. Yeah, we can do eight days. Right. So I'm putting that on there. I'm not asking for anything on inspection, but I'll reserve the right to terminate. Um, And then, you know, with your tactic about this eight day close pre underwriting kind of thing or whatever. Let earnest money go hard for loan objection. Let earnest money go hard. Elite, you know, eliminate loan objection because you already know the loan is good. Right. You know, and the risk to the buyer is that, Hey, in the next eight days, um, you know, I'm betting I'm not going to lose my job. That's honestly the only reason that I ever even put loan objection in there is because you just never know if somebody loses their, their job, job and you can't do the loan. Yeah. Right. You just never know. But I think that's going to go. And I think the risk is going to be placed even hev- even more heavily on buyers. But that's how I'm writing the offer today. Most agents don't do that. I know that for a fact because I haven't seen one single offer on any of my listings ever that impressed me. Not one. I've actually had real estate agents reach out to me and say, hey, are are you saying that people are offering more to close or to take the house off the market before it hits Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and every they review offers by Monday? And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally seeing that. Yeah, my that boy made it up. Me, It's been bonus. fucking happening for like years. And you're uh, like, no yeah. way. Apparently, I'm late to the game on this. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, totally a thing. Maybe, maybe I should have a brokerage. I'm wise. You'd be a great mentor. I don't know about that. Some man. people would hate you and the some weak. people would love you. It's like the gym, dude. It's just, you know, the weak don't like me. I'm not, I'm, but I'm not, I'm not here for them. You know? No. <laughs> me and, no, me and, sleep, no sleep for the week. Me and David Goggins would get along. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. He'd be like, you're not hard, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to carry the boat? Yeah. <laughs> Stay hard. Stay hard. You've never been hard ever, motherfucker. <laughs> He's probably, dude. I love that guy. Me too. I know he's listening. Yeah. Why would he not? I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Me and David, we are a first name Tight. basis. Even though he doesn't yeah. know your Even name. Even though he doesn't know my name. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. So, I mean, what else? You know, I've kind of gotten on my high horse here and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, what are, I mean, what are your thoughts, man? Like, what do you think is going to go down? What do you think? Like, our lender, oh, this is a good question. Our lenders, it, it, it seems like you guys are always, for the most part, able to come up with programs like workarounds, so to speak. Yeah. 
on things that happen in that are happening like with the mortgage-backed securities market, the mortgage market, things like that. Do you think lenders are going to deliver when interest rates go up on with different programs that allow people to kind of still get into homes? Or is there really no incentive to get people into homes when we have five to 10 people per house, buyers per house? Great question. Um, I think that it's really going to depend on what starts happening with inflation. And the reason why I say this is that there is a, a pinch that could possibly happen where I was talking about the market turning. If a bunch of foreclosures start hitting the market because no long, people who barely got into their home two, three years ago, yeah. life's gotten a whole lot more expensive for them. No shit. No so, shit. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, Denver's already talked about, hey, property values have increased exponentially over the last year. We're going to reassess tax or tax evaluations. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden taxes start going up. Yep. Their cost of living starts going up. Did we vote yes on that tax increase? I Yes. God, it, people are so fucking stupid. It absolutely happened. People are so fucking stupid. So if that starts happening, it really just kind of depends on, you know, where the market goes from there. Right. I don't think that we're going to see a bunch of foreclosures because if you're smart, you have equity. Right. Just as you stated earlier, if you bought your house two years ago, you probably have $100,000 worth of equity in mm-hmm. it, even after you've paid a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So if they're smart, they're going to dump the home and sell it through a real estate agent, take some cash, I don't know, maybe move to fucking Nebraska or someplace where it's cheaper. Mm. So uh, the only way that I see that lenders start to contract and liquidity starts drying up, if something happens globally, um, that it's going to affect us. So the short of the answer is, I I think that mortgages are gonna stay the same. Um, We, are going to make it through this. And, uh, you know, uh, like we have stated before, I think the people who are going to be in the buying pool here in Denver are going to be a different buyer than was in this market two years ago. So what does that do to the value of homes? Because now you're putting people in a competitive situation, right? They're going to get emotional. Right. Is Uh, there any end to what these more qualified buyers with more liquid cash like is there any end to what they'll do to get a house you know i think that on an individual basis because i have some buyers who they're not moving off their their values and i have other buyers who are like yo i'm all in so condos baby it 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 really just it 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 kind of depends for example i have a buyer right now his his girlfriend him and his girlfriend are trying to buy a home. He's ready to go all in. She's like, I think this market's fucking crazy. I don't want anything to do with it. So him and I had a conversation Friday. We discussed exactly what you and I are talking about on this podcast right now. Yep. And Monday, he reaches out to me. He was like, hey, I want to buy an investment property because she's not going to put her money into this pool, but I believe in this pool. So let's have a conversation on what it looks like for me to buy an investment property because I believe that this market is going to continue to increase smart and he's willing to push his cash in. She's not. So, you know, there's a house divided right there. You know, she's like, let's just keep renting until the market turns. And he's after him and I had a conversation. I, you know, 
I will not going to say talked him off a ledge, but I gave him information to where he could actually sit there and have an educated decision on this. Mm-hmm. Is like, hmm, what should I do? And you know, they're from California, so he's looking at it from one point or one perspective. She's from the mid the mid or Midwest. She's looking at this as like, holy shit. Yeah, because didn't your dad buy like a fat property? Yeah, for nothing in Ohio. Yeah, you can buy. I, I mean, <clears throat> my parents' home is a 3,500 square foot home, 20 minutes from downtown Cincinnati, and it doesn't cost, it's probably like 330. Why don't you move back to Ohio then? Fuck, who exactly. wants to live in Ohio? See? I've never like, been there. I, I can't say anything. that. I love Detroit though. Detroit! Why? Dude, I, dude, it, downtown Detroit You just want is your mom's spaghetti, dope. right? <laughs> <laughs> My knees are weak. <laughs> My arms are heavy. <laughs> I like Detroit, man. I mean, I heard summer was humid, and yeah. I heard, you know, winter's awful, but I mean, dude, $200,000 for like a fat house? I mean, yeah. So, but you know, that's the, the that's the thing. It, it's just, it's shock here, right? Yeah. And that's, I think I think that's what's driving shock, the driving the market is that you have yeah. a lot of people coming from California, New York, New York, other states where they're coming in. I remember I looked at a condo that when I first started getting in the market in a building I used to live in, and the guy who bought it from from me or well bought it from the buyer or the seller, him and I were talking because he his parking spot was right next to my parking spot, and I was telling him like you know I just couldn't pull the trigger. That's a lot of money on a single bedroom. How much was it? Uh, I think it was 700 and I yeah. sold for like 700 grand. That's a lot of money. So it was, uh, once you included the HOA, it was like $3,500 payment for a one bedroom. Jesus Christ. Dude. Me coming from the West coast, that's our East coast. That's fucking crazy. It's bonkers. Yeah. Right. For him, he came from California and he was like, man, I can't believe I got fucking such a steal and a beautiful view for only this price. Yeah. And I was just like, where are you from, bro? Yeah. He's like, Cali. Yeah. I'm like, all right. It, you know, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, dude, to both our points for a long time, I mean, we've agreed on this for the most part. Higher prices are coming, man. Oh, absolutely. If you look at the real estate market, the, the thing that really kind of intrigues me is like, how long can this take place? Like, if you look at from 2015 to 2020, home prices doubled. Doubled. Mm-hmm. If we stay at this rate, I did this cal- calculation the other day. If we stay at this rate that we're at right now, home prices will double every two and a half years. That's if the rate doesn't accelerate, which it has been. Well, right. That's if it stays the same. Yeah. And if, I mean, the rate's accelerating. If it accelerates, there's no better price or no better investment than a home at that point in time. Because Plus, if, you need to live somewhere. If I can put 20 grand in on a property, well, 50 grand in on a $500,000 property. Mm-hmm. And in two and a half years, mm-hmm. that half a million mm-hmm. is now worth a million. Mm-hmm. Where else are you gonna put that kind of fucking cash and get that kind of return? Nowhere. Yeah. And we're talking about a finite resource because Denver is not exactly approving new building plans anywhere downtown. Like we get, okay, so the like the math Did works. Did they just change something about like ADUs or something <laughs> that they're gonna start like? Yeah, East Colfax. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's over by East Colfax. So they're rezoning, I don't remember how many lots, but Naked Denver talked about that on, uh, on, on their Instagram. Which, you know, I'm a big believer in ADUs. I bought my house because the lot is zoned for one. Right. Um, and I intend to, you know, put one put one in the backyard at some point in the future. But, dude, even, I mean, 
the math just doesn't work out, dude. With the number of people we have moving here and wanting, continuing to move here, wanting to buy here with money, like you talked about, even like take my house, it's one unit currently, right? Okay, even if I build a two one ADU on top of a three car garage, that's a thousand square feet. All I did was just add one unit right. onto a lot. Okay, but not every lot will do that. And even if the number of units homes that we have doubles, that doesn't solve our problem. What so there's solve the problem. Shit, dude. Uh, fuck. Um, like seriously, where, where, where's the where's the problem solved? The housing crisis. Um, I'd have to di- like dive deep, man, and figure that out. I mean, you need more housing. You need more housing or you need something to cause a shitload of people to divest in real estate. But even then, man, real estate is power. Okay, so like take, for example, I have five bedrooms. All right. In my house, two of them are used as an office. Another one is used as a bedroom. We're not having kids. And and then, you know, the basement is not used yet, but will be for Airbnb. Okay, so worst case scenario, man, like, you know, we take a big hit. I don't have any clients for two years. I drain my savings account, et cetera, et cetera. Can't afford my house whole market's in a recession. I have opportunity to rent four of my bedrooms. And remember, historically, rents go up during recession. So when, right. uh, well, uh, housing market recession. So when foreclosures are up, these people can't just leave the city. Where the fuck are they going to go? And if you go to smaller cities, there's even less jobs there. Point is, they're going to look for places to rent. Demand with all, all for all these people sends rents through the roof. Right. So I'm probably going to make money if we hit a recession by just renting out my house. And living in the one master bedroom. Now, does it suck? Fucking A, it sucks, man. Like, I don't want to share my kitchen with four other people. Right. But the reality of the situation is it's wartime. You just have to get through it. Right. You know, so, I mean, even if things... So, I think a crash of something, I don't even know what would crash first. Um, but, you know, that's for somebody way smarter and more right. you know, kind of trained in economics. Is there any know. amount of housing you think that could be built inside Denver that alleviates this problem? Is that even possible? Do we have to change perception? Prefab homes. But so, we have to change perception. So how do prefab homes solve the housing crisis? Legos, like, man. Legos? Legos. Right now, container homes. Because the know, cost of build is, is lower? And they're that, faster. That's, what, that's what's doing it? It's okay. not even the cost of building. I mean, if these guys, if we can change, I don't think this is the answer. This is just something to stand right. to. Like, one way to obviously solve it is to build homes faster. Okay. The only way to do that is build them like Legos or that's just, uh, what's that thing called? Erector sets. Drop the walls in, screw them together, maybe even drop a completely factory built home in on top of a slab, bada bing, bada bang, shoot it in, you're done. Right? But you have to change the perception because people are not gaining money on prefab homes right now. Manufactured homes, quote right. unquote. So I don't know, man. That's it. There's that company up in uh, one of the L's up north. Um, called Simple Walls or Simple Homes that uh-huh. Raj and Wilco is using to just drop walls in, shoot them together. I think it reduces their framing time from six weeks down to one as long as they put the engineered order in right. in advance. But, you know, right now we have a problem with supply chain. Our gym got pushed back at least six months because of a four-month delay on <coughs> garage doors. Wood is an issue. Wood is expensive. Who's going to, you know, dude, there's just yeah. all these fucking problems we're dealing with right now. And I think when you couple that, nothing is going to solve it, at least not in the next four months. I think the other problem that we also have here in Denver is land. What do you mean planned? Land. Oh, f- dude, where are you going to go, man? Where the fuck are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I'm not tearing my house down. Yeah. 
to build. Certainly like, not to. We're build. already we're already stacked. So you can go north because you can't go to the mountains. So you can go north. You can go south. No one wants to fucking go east because who wants to live out by the airport? Sorry if you live out there by the airport. <laughs> I mean, eventually they're going to want to. Yeah. You know, but I mean, like, dude, it's like you said, everybody wants, I mean, conversation I have with 50 to 60% of my buyers is, uh, hey, man, I want to live west of 25. All right. Well, I happen to like east of 25. Um, Jason is pissed at me because I didn't move over there, but I found what I wanted and I moved on it west of 25. That's the only reason I did it. Um, I like east of 25. There's commercial development coming out there. There's markets coming out there, uh, you know, like actual food markets and shit. So it'll be less of a food desert. There's a lot of investment going in there. Obviously, with that whole ADU rezoning um, idea the city's doing, obviously, they have a vested interest in East Colfax. Right. 70's all but done. So the mayor is probably adjusting his focus to something else, which... You know, we had a traffic crisis. People were pissed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now we have we have a housing crisis. He's probably going to address that next. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he's going to get reelected because of that whole COVID Mississippi visiting his family thing and telling everybody else to, you know, uh, stay home. But, you know, people have short memories these days, man. Yeah, well, people have short memories these days, you know. As soon as he comes up for reelection, it'll be different. But, you know, if he chases that down, if our local government chases that down, I mean— they can they can find a band aid for it, man. I, I don't know what that is, but you know, it, I don't know. I, nothing's going to stop it in the next four months. And the reality is, last year, middle of January, so let's say third week of January, shit sped up. Well, it's the second week of November right now, so we're looking at you know. I think the first week of January is going to be like once the hangover is gone from the holidays uh, and people you know realize that they're not going to start going to the gym five days a week anymore and their resolutions horseshit. Um, I think they're going to just get into the market, man. So I think first, second week of January, it's going to be a shit show. So that puts us, what, six or seven weeks out from the war zone. Oh, wow. Yep. <clears throat> so I, well, I don't damn. think anything's going to stop it, man. Upward and onward to 2021 or 2022. Holy shit. <clears throat> yeah, I got, I got post-occupancies that are now out to 2022, so... People, wow. are, yeah, man. People are like, "Oh, you got to relax, dude. Rest a little bit." And I'm like, "Well, shit, dude. I'm already living in 20 January 2022. <laughs> you know, what am I gonna do?" But anyway, that's dude. That's about all the time yeah, we man. have today. I think we had a good chat. I think it was interesting, and hopefully, we've given people a, uh, you know something to think about and just act on. You know, buy a house. And if you're a seller, don't be a greedy piece of shit. Just sell your house for a good price. And get on to the next one, man. And don't take a cash offer $15,000 less. For fuck's don't sake. Don't be do fucking do stupid. That. Oh, my God. That was so silly. Why would you do that? I don't know. I don't know why people think that cash is better. I mean, no appraisal, you know, full appraisal gap coverage, two-week close. That's basically a cash offer. What's the big fucking deal? Yeah. That was a really stupid decision. Yeah. And I've seen that a couple times. I actually lost to, I was 20000 over the you cash know, offer. You know what doesn't make sense to me? You know what? what? People complain about trust fund babies and then they sell their house to them? Yeah. Oh, shit. That and, you know, cash isn't no good if you still don't close. Thank you. They're pickier, dude. They're like, Like, oh, my God, the windows are broken. We're done. We're walking. I'm fucking writing a check for Uh 700K. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to be a whole lot more picky on that property if I'm writing a check for 70K. Bingo. And what if a sore line's busted? Okay, yeah. so come spring, I'm predicting those aren't going to be fixed anymore, right? So let's say a sore line is busted. That's t- Let's just say it's $10,000 for a round number. You're paying cash, $650,000. Now you got to pay six hundred and fifty dollars plus $10,000 out of your pocket more right. just to get that sore line fixed. People are going to walk on that, dude, because that $10,000 to them... It's big. It's a big number. But if a buyer calls you and says, hey, dude, I have to fix this sore line for 10 grand i want to reduce my down payment what does their payment change per month Nothing. two cups of coffee yeah exactly so who's going to stick around when that situation arises the yeah. finance buyers absolutely 100 anyway, percent. you good 
Good. I feel pretty good. Guys, right. buy a house. If you're a seller, don't be a greedy piece of shit. <laughs> All right. Call us. We're good. Like, really good. They call me one shot, one kill. Like, dead shot. Dead shot. Dead shot. All right. We'll, call. All right, guys. we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.